0: Hello, and welcome to the Takeaway, where we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse, to help you understand God's Word so that you can have a more intimate relationship with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Hello, welcome again to the Takeaway. I'm your host, Pastor Harry Burns. And in today's episode, we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 12 and asking the questions, who is the woman, the dragon, and the child mentioned, and how does this fit into the context of Revelation? All this and more will be answered today. In our last episode, we discussed the two witnesses and their purpose during the last three and a half years of the tribulation. God never brings judgment without clearly stating why and when He is going to do it. He does this to give people an opportunity to repent, and it shows that it's not His desire for people to go to hell. In today's world, he uses the church as the witness to the lost to testify about Jesus as the only way to God. As believers who study the word, we understand God's judgment against the wicked and why he does it. Just as the two witnesses will testify of God's judgments, we also have the responsibility to tell people the coming judgments that they will endure if they don't repent. Being a believer in Christ is not supposed to be easy. We all have the responsibility to tell this lost world about our loving God and that He has to judge this wicked world. There is only one way out from experiencing the wrath of God, and that's through believing in Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9-10 For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. So now that we clearly understand what our purpose is as the church in today's world, just as these two witnesses, along with the 144,000 during the tribulation, it is to witness to the lost. In this study, we are going to see what it is we are truly fighting. It's not flesh and blood like most would suggest, but against rulers of darkness and spiritual hosts. In Ephesians 6, 12, it says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the dark of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This chapter will clearly show us the battles that are going on behind the scene that have clear repercussions on this world today. We are not to be ignorant of this fact. The evil you see in this world is influenced by evil spirits. This is what we are fighting, not people. When you recognize this it makes it possible to love even the worst of enemies as we realize they are being used and they don't even know it as we look at this chapter we're gonna see a lot of symbolism that represents a battle that has been raging since the beginning of created time it is all given to us that we can have clear understanding of the events that are taking place in the last three and a half years this chapter is more about the why things are happening rather than the what is happening there is, however, an event that is taking place at the midpoint of the tribulation, as we will see, but most of what we are reading today is a buildup to that event so that we can clearly see how this has played out over the span of history. Over the next three chapters, we're going to see seven main figures and their role during the tribulation. We are given detail about them so that we can clearly identify who or what they are as well as their part in God's plan. Many will spiritualize these figures to fit their own particular beliefs. However, as we will see, the reason for all the detail and description is so that we know the who, what, and why. So please bear with me as we dive into these verses, and I'm sure you will see the clarity as well. In verse 1, we read, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. So who is this woman? Many believe and even teach that this is Mary, the mother of Jesus, since she gives birth to the male child, which we will see is the Messiah. The problem with this being Mary is that it doesn't fit the description we are given to of her. It makes a lot more sense that we see Israel as the woman. Remember, this is a sign and not a literal interpretation. As I've stated before, we should always take Scripture literally unless we are told otherwise. Here we have a good example of that when John said, He was given a great sign and this describes something in the Old Testament Israel is often described as a woman as we see in Isaiah 54 1 through 6 Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 20 Ezekiel chapter 16 verses 8 through 14 and Hosea chapter 2 verses 19 through 20 in Genesis chapter 37 verse 9 through 11 we see that Joseph had a dream and in that dream he saw the sun moon and 11 stars bowing down to him, representing Jacob as the sun, Rachel his mother the moon, and the sons of Israel are the 11 stars which make up 11 of the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph is the 12th tribe and would make up the 12 stars we see in this verse. So verse 2, then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. So who is this child? We'll be given more description later in the next few verses that proves to us that this is Jesus. But here We are being given detail that starts with his birth some 2,000 years ago so that we can understand that all these events throughout history are pointing to this point in time at the end of the tribulation, that Jesus is the anointed king, and he will return to rule this world and judge the wicked. In verse 3 through 6 we read, And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up to God at, and his throne then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1260 days so who is the dragon and the stars that he draws from heaven As we will see this is Satan and the fallen angels the description of a fiery red dragon is symbolic of his power and murderous nature the seven diadems on his heads represent power and claimed authority Satan claims to be God and desires all authority however this is a false claim that he has made throughout human history whenever you hear someone say I am the God of my life or I am God or anything along those lines you could be assured that Satan is behind that and working in the person's life, just as we will see in the Antichrist. He is nothing more than a puppet for Satan. In verse 3, we also see that he has seven heads and ten horns. In Revelation 17, we see a description that helps us understand what these represent. So in verse 17:9 of Revelation, it says, This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. And just a quick note we'll, we'll read more about this and study this in ver, in chapter 17 but this woman here is not Israel just so you know I don't want you to get that mixed up. In verse 10 they are also seven kings five of whom have fallen one is the other has not yet come and when he does come he must remain only a little while. And in verse 12 of chapter 17 it tells us that wh- that the 10 horns are And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not received royal power but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast this is a picture of the Empire that the Antichrist will have control over during the tribulation the rulers of these nations will give their power and authority over to him during this time and he will use this great power to try and devour Israel but this picture of the dragon having seven heads and ten horns shows us that Satan is behind these nations and rulers and it's through his manipulation that they give their power to the Antichrist. Satan's ultimate desire is to stop God's plan of redemption and take the throne of God for himself. We see this in verse 4, which describes Satan's desire to destroy Jesus 2,000 years ago at his birth. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 16-18, through 18, this is the record of that when Herod had all the children killed three years of age and younger. This was an attempt by Satan to stop Jesus' earthly ministry and prevent him from claiming the throne as we know he utterly failed at that attempt which also shows us that god has complete control over everything and no one can change that your life is no different and you can be assured of that no matter how bad things look even when there is an attempt on your life god is still in control never lose sight of that ever so in verse five we get further description about the male child which should make it clear that this is jesus Throughout Bible prophecy, the one ruling all the nations with a rod of iron is the Messiah, which we know is is Jesus. This is, of course, still a future event that will take place at the end of the tribulation to fulfill these prophecies about the Messiah and his earthly kingdom. We know that he is caught up to God at his ascension and currently sits on his throne in heaven. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy of That was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In verse 6, we see the woman Israel fled into the wilderness. Now, some will say this happened with the dispersion of their nation in AD 70 and again in AD 135, when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and scattered the Jews among the nations. Remarkably, many of the Jews maintained their identity as as a people during all this time. They've been scattered around the world for nearly 2,000 years, and since then, and are the only nation in history to have ever broken up and been and then been regathered as a nation back into their original promised land that God given them, has given them. This is yet another sign that they are God's people in a fulfillment of Jeremiah 327. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries where I have driven them in my anger, in my fury, and in great wrath. I will bring them back to this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely. Now, as we look at verse 6, it clarifies the timing of this particular event. It says clearly that she will be protected and fed by God, which she was not during the past 2,000 years, and that this would only be for three and a half years, which I have stated always points to the last half of the tribulation. So to recap, what we have here is the nation of Israel giving birth to the Messiah, whom Satan tried to destroy at his birth and failed. Then at the midpoint of the tribulation, Satan will be cast out of heaven with his angels and out of his fury will attempt to destroy Israel and he will fail. Then he will turn his anger to the offspring of the woman, which, we, which are the Gentiles who come to faith in Jesus during the tribulation, as we're going to see. So in verse 7 and through 9, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer so the great dragon was cast out that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him now many will claim that this event happened back at the beginning of creation when Satan first rebuilt however that doesn't fit with what we know from Scripture we see in Job 1 6 it says, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And again in Job 2.1, again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. So as we see, Satan has had access to heaven throughout history, and that comes to an end here at the midpoint of the tribulation but take notice that Satan didn't go without a fight as we can see there was a great heavenly battle between good and evil and clearly evil lost at least in heaven at this point what we will see next is a direct result of Satan being cast out and he goes to take all his anger out on the on the people of this world particularly God's chosen people this is yet another sign of pure evil When someone goes to destroy something or someone you love because they can't destroy you is plain and simple pure evil and Satan is behind that motive moving on to verses 10 through 12 then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that his time is short. What joy the people in heaven must be experiencing at this point. They have seen and heard Satan coming to God over and over making accusations against God's people. We saw this also... With Job, and make no mistake about it, Satan is and has been making accusations about us before God to remind him of our sinful nature. But notice that verse 11 says, what verse 11 says, they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. What is their testimony? There's only one that I promise you will work, and that's the testimony of your life in Jesus and his and yours. First John chapter four, verse 13 says, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God, on the love of God has for us. This is the only thing you and I have to stand on, and that's enough. This is truth Alone this truth alone will allow us to overcome Satan and his accusations about us Can you say this about yourself? Is this your testimony? Are you living in Jesus and allowing him to live in you? I promise you there is no other way There are not enough good works you can do to make up for the bad works God gave us his law so that we can know we are sinners and that we need a Savior You will never be righteous enough on your own to be saved It requires a perfect sacrifice and Jesus is that sacrifice all you have to do is submit to him and repent of your sins turn from the wickedness in your life and allow him to start living through you so that you may find and have life and life abundantly so moving on to verse 13 through 17 now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child but the woman was given two wings of a great eagle That she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nursed for a time times and half a time from the presence of the serpent so the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood but the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth and the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ so as we see here Satan started to persecute Israel but again God gave her a place to retreat to the wings of an eagle represent His protection to help her flee into the wilderness just as when he helped them escape Egypt as we read in Exodus chapter 19 verse 4 4 through 6 you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and now I bore you on eagles wings and brought you to myself Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Now, it seems that not only did God protect them in the wilderness, but he helps them get there as well. Once they are there, Satan will attempt to destroy them in that place by a flood which most likely represents a powerful military strike and not a literal flood. If you remember, this is a sign and not a literal interpretation. Isaiah 59, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And in Matthew 24:15. For for then there will be a great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. So as we see here, we know that the persecution starts at the midpoint of the tribulation when Satan is cast out of heaven and and the Antichrist, Satan's little puppet, declares to be God in the temple. Jesus makes it abundantly clear that this persecution will be so severe that if he didn't cut the days short, that they would all be destroyed. Someone uses scripture to describe the rapture, but this is definitely not that. This is God helping Israel, the elect, into the wilderness to protect them so that they aren't completely wiped off the face of the earth during this time, which he says they would be if he didn't cut the days of persecution short. After this, Satan will become completely enraged and go after the offspring of the woman, which we know are believers of Jesus that are still alive at this time. Verse 17 makes it clear. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. It should be no surprise at this point that Satan hates what God loves, and therefore he hates you. This world is his playground, and he is using everything in his power to destroy you. The only reason you haven't been destroyed is God's mercy on this world. Remember in 2 Thessalonians 2.7, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. God is restraining evil, and you and I benefit from that. What are you doing with the time you have on this earth? Are you living to share your testimony with others, or are you living to please yourself? We have but a short moment on this earth, and the pleasures you are living for are but a fleeting moment that can't fill the void in your heart. When you live for Jesus, it will come with trials and tribulations, but the reward will be eternity with Him in paradise. You can rest when you get there, and you will definitely enjoy what He has for you there more than anything you could ever have or experience in this world. Don't waste this one and only life that he give, that He gave you on yourself. When you do that, you are throwing away the greatest gift that was ever offered to you. It's yours for the taking, but you have to let go of whatever it is you are pursuing and grab onto the only one that gives life, and that's Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word and for the truth that you give us that you are desiring to draw us into a deep and intimate relationship with you so that we know you and we trust you. You are the one that overcomes the enemies in our life, the enemies in this world. And there is nothing in our own strength that we can do to overcome these things. You just desire that we follow after you and trust in you and stand our ground. Father, you are so good and we love you. I pray for those listening today, Jesus, that you will soften their heart and allow them to accept you and enter into this relationship that your word tells us they can have. We thank you in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message helped you take a step closer in your relationship with Jesus and that you have a better understanding for just how much God loves you and wants you to know him. In our next episode, we will be in Revelation chapter 13 looking at the rise of the Antichrist we will see the rise of evil in the earth as a result of what we saw today with the dragon being thrown out of heaven behind every evil act person government or entity there is a spiritual influence behind the scenes that we don't see But when you study God's Word and take it in you will be given eyes to see and ears to hear in Matthew chapter 13 verse 16 but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear for assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. What a great gift God has given to us to, uh, given us to have complete revelation of his plans for us, to see and hear the things that are unseen and can't be heard by the unbeliever. We have been given everything we need in the in the word, in the word of God to identify and overcome evil. All we have to do is read. And he is faithful to give us understanding. Proverbs 2, 6 through 16. Only the Lord gives wisdom. He gives knowledge and understanding. He stores up wisdom for those who are honest. Like a shield, he protects the innocent. He makes sure that justice is done. And he protects those who are loyal to him. Then you will understand what is honest and fair. And what is the good and the right thing to do. Wisdom will come into your mind. And knowledge will be pleasing to you. Good sense will protect you understanding will guard you it will keep you from the wicked from those who from those whose words are bad who don't do what is right but what is evil they enjoy doing wrong and are happy to do what is crooked and evil what they do is wrong and their ways are dishonest it will save you from the unfaithful wife who tries to lead you into idolatry with pleasing words before we go i want to encourage you to visit us at the takeaway.faith On our website, you can find out more about who we are and sign up to receive emails to get notifications on new episodes and ministry updates. This also makes it easy to share our podcast and allows you to use it as a resource to help others. On our website, you can easily send us a message, a word of encouragement, questions, or comments. We would love to hear from you and encourage you to send us a message soon. God bless, and we'll see you next time on The Takeaway.